Sometimes we don't even realize how much work has been put in behind the scenes to ensure that you make a specific purchase from a specific retailer at a specific time. We don't realize it because the seller has a truly good merchandising strategy that the average Joe, like you and I, have no idea about. Today, we'll chat with the Director of Strategic Product Planning at Snowcommerce, Angela Myers. Angela has years of experience in merchandising strategies, and she's the right person to talk about all things related to merchandising strategies. Hi, Angela. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. So to start off, why don't you introduce yourself and what you do at Snowcommerce? Hi, I'm Angela Myers. I'm the Director of Strategic Product Planning at Snowcommerce. So my team does all the cataloging and all the merchandising. And really what we're responsible for is coming up with the product plans for all of our brands, what we want to offer, and then getting it cataloged, getting it on the site. And then once it's on the site, doing all that great merchandising, making sure that the navigation's good and that the product is being displayed in the best way to sell it. How did you get into that? That's a, such a specific role to be in. So I've been in retail buying and planning my entire career. I've worked with more brick and mortar, kind of big box retail companies. I've been in product development. Um, I've been in buying. I've been in planning. Um, so I've really been in like a product focused type role my entire career. I started out at Dick's Sporting Goods, which is a big retailer in the US. And I was in their merchandising training program, which was great because it got me exposure to all the different areas of merchandising. So really getting to see sort of that full picture of like, how the product ends up on the shelves and is there for the customers to buy. And I really loved it. And so I've just sort of been in that um, world ever since. But I assume that right now in your role, you work mostly with online, like e-commerce world, right? Yeah. So that's definitely been a shift for me. So, you know, earlier in my career, I was definitely with companies where, you know, of course we had an e-commerce presence, but I think the mentality was definitely brick and mortar first, e-commerce second. It wasn't an e-commerce first type environment, but COVID really changed a lot of that and forced companies to think about their e-commerce business in a different way um, and really put that at the forefront. Obviously, if you don't have that foot traffic in your brick and mortar store, you have to figure out another way to get sales. So it was definitely a bit of a shift, you know, in the last couple of years. And then when I joined Snow Commerce, being a fully e-commerce organization, I've learned a ton in my time there. But what has really resonated with me is so much of the brick and mortar merchandising practices translates really easily onto e-commerce. So it's like really fun for me when I'm out and I'm shopping, seeing what they're doing and being able to like actually shop it and touch it and then think about how that can translate to the e-commerce experience. A lot of those things are very similar. So the transition's been really good. I was going to ask about the connection of brick and mortar and online. Do you have some examples for the things that you have taken and applied to e-commerce or the other way around? Definitely. I mean, I think when I'm shopping brick and mortar and I can use like a grocery store as an example, just because most people are shopping in grocery stores every single week, but thinking about how they sort of do like their I don't want to call it clearance section because I think with food, it's not necessarily clearance, but like sort of the last buy type concept and how they are signing that. And, you know, then how, how does that translate onto our sites? How are we kind of gathering those items that we're starting to phase out and making sure that we're promoting it right, that we're pricing it right to really kind of move those units, thinking about like a queue line concept. So as you're in the checkout line, if it's kind of a long line, those additional little bins oftentimes that they have there that are these quick 
pickup items that are easy add-ons. So how are we serving different products to the customers as like a nice add-on to the cart, making sure that we have those items as part of the product assortment. Normally they're small, they're easy for the customer to not have to think too hard about they're priced right. And it can just be like a quick add-on to what they've already chosen to buy. Amazing. Sounds like you can't shop like relax and shop. Yes. Always thinking. Well, it's, it's so easy to have all of these really wonderful case studies. Mm. So, you know, it's just shopping is a part of everybody's life. So it's like, you have all of these really great case studies. And I think if you pay enough attention about it, you'll pick up little things here and there that are really helpful to apply to your own to your own experience. Yeah, for sure. I, I generally find that if you want to become a real expert in your field, whatever that is, either it's e-commerce or something else, you sort of have to learn how to apply the knowledge you see elsewhere to your own field. And that's the only way to go. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the customers that you work with? Obviously, I understand there will be some main names that you can't really mention, but some of the ones that you can, what sort of customers you work with at Snowcomers? Yeah, so we work with some really big brands, a lot in the entertainment space. So Paramount is a big one. Um, if you look on the Paramount shop that is powered by Snowcomers. Um, in the gaming space, we work with Xbox. In the sports space, we work with USFL. So lots of big brands and big names. It's been really fun to work with these brands and figuring out how to bring their product assortment to life and making sure that it resonates with the customers. There's definitely a big fan base to all of the brands that we work with that are all really different too. So that's been a really fun experience figuring out what works across all of them and what are the things that are really specific to a certain vertical or a certain brand that really only makes sense there. So when you start out with a company, you don't really have like a Oh, you 100% need to do these 10 products. It depends on the customer, right? We definitely have our core. So we have core mm -hmm. products that make sense across all of our brands where, you know, it's a really great hat silhouette. That's a great price point that's offered in a ton of colors, or it's a t-shirt that is, you know, going to be your best selling t-shirt. So we definitely have that core. So that's something that we've spent a lot of time building and refining and understanding what that core is and making sure that that's really maximized within all of our product assortments, again, where it makes sense. And then the last piece of that is what type of niche products can we add in? What type of niche graphics that really make it feel super special to whatever that brand is, whatever that brand represents, and really what that fan is looking for. For example, if I approach Snowcommerce and say, I want to start my merchandising line, where, where do you start? What's the first point? What's the first question you ask to that customer? I think the first question is, what does your brand represent and who is your customer? Those things are so key and so important. And then from there, you can really start getting some insights into what type of products outside of like that core stuff that really makes sense in so many places, your hats, your hoodies, your crew neck sweatshirts, your t-shirts, all of those things that make a ton of sense, your drinkware items. And then what else is a good add-on? So, you know, one thing that we've found with a lot of our properties that have a really big female customer base, we sell a lot of cheese boards, we sell a lot of wine glasses. So really understanding who that customer is and who that end user is, is, is really, really important. 
Do you feel that the customers who approach you already know answers to those questions or do they have to do some research before beforehand? I think a lot of times they know their brands really well. So they provide a lot of really great insight to, for us. One of the things that's great about SnowCommerce is we have such a wide array of clients and IP. So we have all of this sales data that we're able to look at as well to also provide great insights to our clients. So they're coming to us for that service and for that expertise. So we definitely try to leverage all that great knowledge that they have around their specific brands. But also, you know, then we're taking a look. Do we have any properties that we think have a similar customer that we think are going to behave similarly? And what has worked really well there that we can implement? We do a lot of testing and trying. And then as we get our stores up and running, we're definitely going back and looking at the data and looking at the sales results to make tweaks and changes. So, you know, product assortments are always fluid. It's... It should never be, a, okay, I'm going to set it and I'll come back in five years and make a change. You know, definitely looking at the data and the, the sales results and being able to react to that, to trends in the marketplace. So it's definitely like a fluid kind of always changing type of thing. And how do you feel the approach has changed to merchandising in general, from specifically from customer's side? Are they now more open to it or is it pretty much the same as five, 10 years ago? Do they, do customers want to create merchandising lines or you still have to convince them a little bit? No, I mean, I think it's definitely an opportunity that our clients are really excited about. It's an additional connection to that brand and really sort of like getting that brand out there. So when people are wearing Yellowstone t-shirts all over the place, um, that's just an additional connection to their fans. And it's really getting the brand out there in a big way. So I think it's something that's really important to our clients. I think it's changed a lot in the last 10 years, just overall retail and merchandising because so much has shifted online. So I think people are thinking about that really differently. I think people's just normal customers' shopping habits are really different. I remember last Christmas, or I guess it was right after Thanksgiving. So it should have been like the biggest, craziest time of shopping, you know, definitely in the US. I think I was at the mall on a Saturday and I was shocked at how not crowded it was. And like, there were still people there and there were people shopping, but it wasn't like a madhouse like I was expecting. And I think it's just people have gotten really accustomed to shopping online and it's convenient and it's easy. And if you don't like crowds and you don't um, have the time to, you know, deal with a big crowded mall, you don't have to anymore. So I think that's definitely been a big shift. So understanding, you know, how you're reaching those customers, if they're not coming into a physical store has been really important over the last, you know, several years. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned that one of the reasons uh, companies want to do and should do merchandise is it's a connection, additional connection to their customers. Are there some other reasons that you find customers benefit when it comes to merchandising? I mean, I think the connection to the customers is probably the biggest thing. Obviously, for the brand, it's an additional revenue stream as well. So that financially, that can be a really important piece. But I think that connection to the brand is probably the biggest thing. It's always so nice to see a t-shirt that's like a niche reference on the street that you recognize and you just feel immediately uplifted a little bit. Yeah, so many of the customers feel, again, with a lot of our brands, they feel such a strong relationship to it and they're really passionate about it. There is such a big fan base. 
So for them to be able to be a part of it by having that t-shirt or having that drink glass at home, I think is something that's really fun for them. And it allows them to continue to stay loyal and stay really connected to those brands that they love so much. Have you had that moment when you see someone on the street wearing a t-shirt that you helped put into real life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Yellowstone stuff is all over the place. So that's been really fun. And I saw somebody walking down the street recently near our office and was wearing this. It wasn't one of ours. It had to have been like a vintage, but it was this like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle jacket. And it was really, really cool. So it's definitely fun seeing, seeing that type of stuff, you know, just out in the world and then figuring out, okay, like how could we do something similar? This is clearly something that somebody wanted to buy. I think all of that streetwear stuff that's going on is really fun. So really taking a look at that and figuring out how does that relate to what we're trying to do and how can we do our own take on that. Do you think it's possible to do merchandise badly? Like what would be the main mistakes when you're trying to start your merchandising line? Yeah. So when I think about merchandising, you know, I also think about product planning. So to me, like the product planning comes first and that's determining what you're going to offer, what your price points are going to be, the whole assortment. And then the merchandising is really like, how are we presenting that to the customer and how are we making it shoppable and giving them like an experience where they can come in and buy. So I think with product planning, really understanding what your customer wants can be a challenge, especially if you're just starting. And I think one mistake that people can make as they kind of go down the road of starting a store and starting kind of their merchandising experience is trying to be everything to everyone. And in most cases, you can't do that. So you know, Printful offers 300 plus products. There's so many, many options and walking a really fine line between testing and trying new things that might be additional sales opportunities for you, but not doing so many products and such a wide array of product assortment that it doesn't make sense to your customers. So it's a really fine line. But I think if your customer is is on your shop and they're trying to understand what your brand is and they're looking for specific things, there's going to be things they expect to be there and shop. And if there's something that comes out of left field, it might be confusing to them. Why is this here? So again, it's a very fine line between pushing your brand and testing and trying different things, but also not having so many things that don't really make sense and aren't really in tune with your brand that it can become very confusing for the customer. Yeah, I know one of the most popular questions we get from customers, it's always, oh, how many products should I have on my store? And sadly, the answer is always like, it depends. It really depends on your brand and your how your store looks even. That's definitely something that you know we're even trying to figure out. What is the right answer? And, you know, in my prior life in a, you know, fully inventory type business, it's a lot more black and white because you have numbers that tell you exactly what you should do. You have minimum order quantities in the POD space. It's a lot trickier. So you do have so many more options and POD has offered such a great avenue for people to be able to test and try and do more things without this liability, this inventory liability at the end of the day. But yeah, that's always a tricky, a tricky thing because you do your online, you have an endless aisle. So technically you can do everything, but do you want to do everything? Do you have the time to do everything? And, you know, really trying to think about what that customer experience is like, you know, there's definitely shopping fatigue. And if I'm on a site that has, you know, I've picked, you know, I've drilled down and I've picked, what do I want to look at? I want to look at dresses today and it's serving me 50 pages. 
I don't have the time or the energy to go through all of that. So it's definitely a fine line and it, it definitely depends on the brand, it depends on what you're offering, what the brand is. So there definitely isn't a black and white answer, which is tough. A lot of that is doing testing and trying. So maybe add more and see what resonates and what is connecting with your customers. And then you can kind of pull back a little bit and say, okay, this is where I want to focus my time and my effort. I've I put this big, broad assortment out there, but this is really what works. So I'm really going to lean into that. And how do you usually start those experiments? I assume you go with print on demand because you don't know what the volumes are going to be, right? Yeah. Most of the time we go to print on demand for a lot of these experiments that we're trying to do. We leverage a lot of the knowledge that Printful has. So we work really closely with the new product development team to understand what's working really well for Printful and for all of the additional customers outside of enterprise that maybe we're not utilizing in the best way. We look at trends, we listen to what our clients are telling us, and then we try to figure out, okay, we think this would be a great testing opportunity for our clients. We figure out what makes the most sense. Is it for one client? Is it for several clients? And then we try to put our best foot forward. So the best design that we can, the best marketing that we can, we try to give it the best shot at selling. And then from there, we say, okay, how did this perform? We do a lot of projections ahead of time to say, okay, we're going to do this test and this is what we expect it to do. This is what success would mean to us. And then we do a lot of hindsighting. I think hindsighting is something that you know, whether you have a small shop, whether you're in a big organization is such an important piece of the entire puzzle that oftentimes gets overlooked because so often everyone's really busy and it's on to the next thing. So the hindsighting is something that we've really tried to focus on and really set what is our strategy to begin with? What does success mean? Really quantifying that. And then Once we give it a little bit of time, a couple weeks to sell, then we go back and say, okay, did it do what we were expecting it to do? And if it was way better, how can we do more of that? Should it be in more shops than what we tested it in? So that's really the methodology that we go through when we're trying to test new items and determine where they belong, where they make sense and what the opportunity is. A couple of weeks seems like a really short period of time to look back at something. But I guess in e-commerce, when everything moves so quickly, that's completely enough to make some sort of conclusions. Yeah. And it depends on what time of year it is. So if we're in you know, Q4 where we're getting tons of traffic because everybody's shopping during Q4, you probably don't need a really long window to understand if something does well or not. If you're marketing it and you're positioning it right and you can't sell it in Q4, then it might not be that great of an item. If it's during one of our slower times, then maybe it's a longer lead time. Maybe it's a couple of months. But again, as we're doing a lot of those marketing efforts and really getting the product in front of the customers, we should see kind of an, an initial bump. And if we're doing all those things and we're not seeing that, then maybe it wasn't the right test. Maybe we didn't have it in the right places. You know, We're going back and looking at why wasn't it as successful as it should have been. But yeah, it definitely depends on the type of the time of year for you know, the time frame that we're looking at in terms of hindsighting. And what's your approach when it comes to new product launches? How, again, I understand it's not going to be a black and white answer as I think everything is in e-commerce, but uh, how often should a store launch new products? I think it depends, obviously, on the bandwidth, the time that you have to get products up there. I think, you know, one thing with staying competitive is offering your customer 
frequently additional reasons to buy. So if they bought from you before and they come back and there's nothing new on the site, well, they're probably not going to buy the same thing that they already have or things that they've passed on previously. So I think giving those customers reasons to come back and reasons to continue to purchase, a lot of that has to do with the products that you're offering and giving them something new and different. One strategy that I really love in merchandising is thinking about your product assortment in terms of your core and in terms of your seasonal or like fashion type items. So I'll use the office, for example, that's a big property for us. But you know, the t-shirt that we have with the Dunder Mifflin logo, that's core. That isn't ever changing. You can have that on the shop for years and you're going to have customers that are buying that. But how do I get the customer that's already bought that shirt to purchase a different t-shirt? So that's where you can flip out a different color offering, you know, Primful offers the comfort colors t-shirt where the wash is a little bit different and it offers some fun fashion colors. Do you flip that out and bring that in as a seasonal offering with a fun, different type of graphic? So I think giving those customers additional reasons to buy and to continue to purchase is really important. So there's not like a black and white answer on you should be flipping out your assortment this many times. But I think if you have a good core assortment that can be really steady for you and then treat the other side of your assortment as the seasonal fashion type play, and you can continue to flip those out, you know, every quarter, every month, if you have the time would be wonderful. You know, you have to give your customers enough time to find the product and purchase the product and understand if it did well or not. But I think also creating some FOMO is important too. having things not live forever. And, you know, maybe if somebody missed out on something they really like, they'll come back and they'll be really urgent to purchase the next fashion drop that you have in your assortment. That's a very good tip. Didn't think about it that way. That having a core assortment makes total sense and then some additional stuff you can experiment with. So we talked a little bit about product planning. What about the visual merchandising side of things? I understand you also work with that. How how do you approach that? What What are the important things to look at? I think product planning and merchandising definitely go hand in hand. And I don't think one exists well without the other. So you could have the most beautiful site in the world. The navigation could be great. You could have great graphics and it can be super shoppable. But if you don't have a good product assortment, you don't have the right products, then all of that is a little bit for naught and vice versa. So I think both things are very, very important. I think with visual merchandising, making sure that we're promoting our best sellers that we are showing our customer the products that they're looking for and the way that they're looking for it. You know, I've definitely been on sites where it's really hard to find what I'm trying to find. And, you know, I think because there's so much competition and there's so many avenues for people to shop and to buy, I think people's patience are probably pretty thin. So it's like, if it's hard to find something, if it's hard to purchase, people are going to just click out and they're going to go somewhere else because they can. So I think making sure that the navigation is good, that it's what people are expecting, that the product is where they expect to find it, that it makes sense and it's really shoppable is such an important piece of that final selling to the customer. Again, you can't have a great product assortment and then people can't find it. It doesn't make the product planning piece worth it. Really making sure that that merchandising is done well is a really important piece. Yeah. And at least in my experience, I think people don't realize 
how important the basics are because a lot of the e-commerce stores I've visited, they don't really have the basics in order. The navigation is confusing or they try to reinvent the wheel and come up with something completely different, but then it just gets confusing at one point, I think. Right. I think having the right filters, kind of understanding, I think walking through it as a customer. So how would I shop this site? And if there's certain filters that you would use that aren't there, then that's a great thing to add on. I think having a good like QA session and having other people navigate through your site and are there things they can't find or are there things that they have expected to see that they weren't seeing. So we do a lot of that at Snow Commerce, particularly when we're launching a new site or we're changing some things. You know, we definitely will QA it on our end to make sure that it makes sense from a customer's perspective. So I think that's a really important piece as well. Yeah. And uh, a lot of Printful customers that are not enterprise related, they're really small. So we usually tell them just give it to your mom or a friend and see how they manage. A lot of times it's, you know, having somebody that isn't as close to it can provide the best insights because you're so in it that it's hard to see it from a different point of view. So if you give it to somebody that's never seen it before and isn't involved, like you'll get really, really good insights from somebody that is just a customer that is coming to your site for the first time. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned as well, there's there's so much competition out there for everyone who has an e-commerce store. How, how do you stand out? How do you make yourself visible among that competition? I think marketing is a really important piece and figuring out how to connect to your customers. And that can mean a lot of different things. Obviously, you know, social media is a big piece of this. So I think that is an, a really important piece. But understanding, I think, who your customer is and how to find them and how to connect with them are probably the most important pieces of, you know, bringing them into your site. And then from there, if you have the right product, if it's priced right, if you're presenting it well, you know, the conversion should happen. But I think making sure that you're reaching the customer and and able to connect with them is probably the biggest thing. Yeah, I agree. Do you have some fun or interesting stories from your experience where you see how big brands are making that happen, making those connections? Yeah. So one that we did here recently on the Paramount shop with South Park, which has a very big loyal fan base. It's a very specific type of brand. They came to us with this awesome camo pattern. And I think there were four of them, one for each of the South Park boys. They were really cool. They looked great. We utilized them on Printful's cut and sew products, but we kept it a really tight assortment. So I think it was a t-shirt, a hoodie, jogger, and maybe a backpack or a duffel bag. And so it was a nice tight assortment. It made sense. I think the customers were probably buying multiples, which is great. Creating you know a nice little set, which is very on trend right now. We gave it a prime location on the site. So it was displayed really beautifully, but it was also something that was really important to our client. It was really important to the brand. So they did a ton of social support as well. So that was really helpful. That was really a great example of all of those pieces coming together. We had great results from it. It was a really, really great product launch that we were super excited about. Obviously, the customers were really excited about it. We had great results from it, but that was really the perfect storm of all of those really important pieces coming together to create a really successful story for us. Yeah, sounds like it. I think especially for big companies, it can sometimes be a problem. There's so many people doing so many things that you don't really 
always know what's happening. So tying everything together is so important. So what do you think will be some key challenges and opportunities in uh, e-commerce and in merchandising in the next three, five, ten years? I think one of the biggest challenges is just all the competition that's out there. Companies like Printful have made it really easy for so many people to enter the marketplace. So there's so many different avenues to shop. I mean, I think when I was a kid, you know, when you talk about 15, 20 years ago, your options were whatever was at your mall. And so that's what you could buy. And, you know, I would say even like 10 years ago, people just weren't shopping online as much. So now there's so many options and you can be really choosy as a customer and you can find exactly what you're looking for that could be halfway around the world and you can get it delivered to you. So I think that's probably from a retail perspective is going to be one of the most challenging things is there's a lot of competition out there. And how do you continue to connect with your customers? How do you get them to continue to come back? And how do you make sure that you have exciting, right product that's priced right to convert those sales? So I think the competition is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think that one way to sort of tackle that challenge is, and it's not only about marketing, because you also need the right product, the right sort of trend in the right moment. It's a, it's a constant work, basically. For sure. And I think for us, we've definitely seen having the right brand. So certain brands for us in the enterprise space and the clients that we work at are more shoppable than others. So really making sure that we're identifying what are those really shoppable brands and how are we maximizing that as well. So if one of our listeners want to see what Snow Commerce is doing and learn a bit more, perhaps get in touch with you, where should they go? Yeah. So you can go to snowcommerce.com. That should give a really nice display for what we do and the brands that we work with and the services that we're able to provide for them. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. It was very insightful. Thank you. This was really fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Angela Myers from Snowcommerce. If you want to check out Snowcommerce, see the episode description. You'll find all the necessary links and information there. And remember to tune in for the next episodes of Ideas Fulfilled by Printful Enterprise. 